you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning. Oh, good morning again. So good to have you here. Huge welcome. As I said earlier, my name's Josh, part of the team here. So excited to bring a word this morning. And um, if you're new to our church, let me fill you in a little bit on where we've been over the last few weeks. You've come at such an exciting time. We're in a series in our Sunday mornings called Making Room. And if you've not listened to the last four weeks in this series, I would really encourage you to head to our our website, our YouTube, our podcast, anywhere that you want to find um, this kind of stuff and check it all out because it has been fantastic. And we've been going on a journey of really making room for what God is going to do next. We've been making room in our hearts, making room in our relationships, and we're making room in our church. Two weeks ago, our senior pastor, John Clark, shared the incredibly exciting news that from February, we are moving to three Sunday services here at our central site. Exciting times. We currently do two. We are adding one. The times, if you've missed it, we've got a slide, will be 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 6 p.m. Now, the heart and the vision for this ultimately is because God has so much more for our church and for our city. There are so many more people who are going to come here and find their home here with us. So many more people are going to hear the good news about Jesus. So many more people are going to be invited to experience life in the kingdom. So many more people are going to be fed and have their debts canceled and experience freedom from addiction and encounter the love of God in so many ways. And we need to make room. It's so exciting. As a church, we refuse to bury the talent that God has given us. We refuse to settle for where we are right now, and we refuse to remain in our comfort zones, but instead we are going to step by faith into all that God has for us, because there are thousands in our city that need to find home. How good was bonfire night last Sunday night, by the way? How good? Why don't we just give a round of applause to everyone that made it happen? I mean... It was phenomenal. Um, Over 2,500 guests joined us here at church um, for Bonfire. It was just remarkable. So thank you to everyone that did it. And um, I I parked in K3, the the car parking uh, space just opposite Vulcan Street. And, um, you know, the car park was full, right? It was crazy. It was full with people. And, And do you know what? My thought was this is just a taste of what's to come. This is a foretaste of all that God is going to do in our church. And so what we're doing is we're on a journey of just simply offering everything we have to the Lord and saying, um, God, come and use us as we are. And let me say, it's my deep conviction that God is going to take what we offer him. He's going to bless it and he's going to multiply it. Amen. So I'd love to continue the series. In fact, I'm closing out the Making Room series this morning and I'm going to be talking about resources in particular, money. And the title of my talk this morning is Making Room with Our Money. Now, the first thing I want to say is that we are a radically generous church already. Uh, I love the verses in the book of Acts which display to us 
a blueprint for the early church. Listen to this, Acts 2, 45. It says this, they sold possessions, property, and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Radical generosity was written into the DNA of the early church. And I believe that right now, as a community, we are embodying this radical generosity in our time. Earlier this year, uh, we did a giving campaign for the money to build a hope center, a compassion facility on our site. And as a church, we raised just under half a million pounds. Incredible. Thank you for the remarkable generosity. And as I want us to consider on top of all the financial generosity, all the things that we do as a community to serve our city. This is, this is given by This is made possible by people's radical generosity and time and energy and and money too. In the last year, our food bank, which runs every Mondays and Thursdays, has given away 2,145 food hampers, feeding 3,485 people across the city. Isn't that awesome? Coming up in December, we have our King's Table where we do a six-course extravagant meal for those that are struggling. Grow Baby is a phenomenal ministry giving um, baby clothes, equipment, items, food to families with young children that are struggling. And this is the update from Claire who leads that ministry. We have helped over 700 families in the last 12 months giving out nappies, baby milk, prams, cots, and high chairs. 700 families. We have a ministry called The Table, which is a uh, three-course soup kitchen that gathers Uh, those that are just really struggling and vulnerable across our city every single Monday. And not only do we do a three-course meal for them on a Monday, but they've been coming to Alpha. So we have a whole table at Alpha of guys that are living on the streets or living in hostels, some of the most broken in society, hearing the good news about Jesus, and they're coming to church too. They'd be more excited about that, but it's fine. Not, not, yeah, not a big deal. Um, we have an amazing ministry called Flourish, and Flourish partners with the Lighthouse Charity to work with some of the most vulnerable women in our city and to serve them. And um, it's so exciting, a partnership that's just opened up uh, in Bridlington. We have started a ladies' drop-in partnering with other charities over in Brid to create a space and environment of God's heart and God's welcome to the ladies that are caught in addiction and brokenness over there. So exciting. Now, I've got a great story from CMA, which is our debt recovery center, our freedom finance uh, space that Mark and a team lead. Uh, this was sent to me just on Thursday. CMA have been working with a young couple since the start of 2022. They have four young children and face staggering debts of over 45,000 pounds following the collapse of their business during the pandemic. They were desperate, without hope or work, and life was looking bleak. It had been a long and sometimes problematic journey over the last 21 months to get them to the stage we're at today, involving numerous appointments, phone calls, and emails. But this very week, the final paperwork has been submitted to the insolvency service, and all of their debts have been written off. All of their debts. Isn't that incredible? He finishes by saying, they now have the chance to start afresh, free from the shackles of debt. And on top of this, Ryan, having secured employment late last year, has just been promoted to team leader. God is good. Sure, yeah. Isn't that awesome? 
And church, here's what we are learning right now, that as we sow in generosity, God is doing more than we can possibly imagine. And there's so much more to come. And I want to submit this morning that if we long to see more, if we long to do more in our city and make a greater difference, we have to make room in our hearts and in our finances. Now, I love the title of our series that we're in, Making Room. Because it reveals, doesn't it, a significant kingdom principle. And the kingdom principle is this, that God fills that which is empty. Did you know God is a filler? He's drawn to space. He's attracted to places where we make room for him to move. He's a filler. He fills things. Think of the journey of God throughout history. He fills the void of the universe. He fills the world with creation. He fills the ark with animals, he fills the temple with his presence, he fills us with his spirit. He fills where we make room. And this is true for every area of our lives. Wherever we make room for God, he fills with himself. When we make room in our attention and create room in our, in our thoughts, we begin to get, gain a greater clarity to hear God's voice. When we make room in our time to serve God, to love other people, we begin to see opportunities open up and favor is attracted to that. When we make room in our creativity, we begin to partner with God in greater measure to release beauty into the world. When we make room in our relationships to include Jesus, they flourish. And that is so true for our finances. When we make room in our finances, God is able to fill it. Now, the second thing I think it's really important to say before I crack on talking about money is that for some of us here today, talking about money is not easy. Maybe you find yourself here today and you are just really struggling financially. Much of our city is like that story, um, just struggling. A, A lot of people, thousands of people are living in poverty in Hull, much of which is generational. We live in a current cost of living crisis where everyone is being squeezed, aren't we? By being so, I did a little shop on Friday. I think it's like a third more than it was this time last year. And that is affecting the most vulnerable among us. Many people struggle with gambling addictions. Many, many people are trapped in debt. And I'm also aware that we've all got baggage when it comes to how we think about finances. We've, we're all products of our upbringings, and how our parents thought about money and taught us about money has shaped how we think about money and talk about money. And money does carry so much baggage. There is shame attached to not having enough. Sometimes there's shame attached to having too much. Maybe you're here and you're thriving financially. Wherever you find yourself today, we need to say this is a safe space. There is no shame. There is no stigma. There's no guilt. And what I want to do is I want to come back to Jesus and hear God's heart for how we can live a healthy financial life. But before I talk about what Jesus taught about healthy finances, I think it's also important to say there has been some really unhealthy teaching on finances in the life of churches. Has anyone experienced that? Let me give you one of them right now. One really unhealthy teaching on finance is is that God's blessing always looks like financial abundance. Always. So you sow a Ford, you reap a Ferrari. Have you ever heard that? I've got a Ford. Please, Lord. It's not going to happen. 
Or like God is a slot machine. So if you sow this much, you will get exactly that times by 10 in your bank account within a week. If you're not overwhelmingly rich, you must be in sin or lacking in faith. It's not true. It's not the gospel and it's not healthy. There's another view that has been taught in churches, which I think is equally unhealthy. And it's this, that poverty is spiritual. That wealth, money, is inherently evil in and of itself, and God doesn't want to bless your finances, and Christians shouldn't have money, or a nice house, or a car. And this really is a mindset of fear. We judge those that have more than us, and we're fearful of money getting a grip on us that we get rid of it as soon as it comes in, and we refuse to steward it, multiply it, or enjoy it. Now, that's not even coming on to talking about how our culture views money, which is really unhealthy. Our culture right now would say, I am what I earn, right? It would say, I am what I own. It would say, I am what I consume. We have been told that we exist in order to consume, to build our own empires. Comfort is a priority. It's called consumerism. It is great. one of the great idols of our age that we are always wanting more always wanting better, always wanting to build bigger barns to hoard our more stuff. And this is encapsulated by the famous billionaire Warren Buffett who was asked, how much money is enough? Do you know what he said? Just a little bit more. But is there another way to think about finances from a kingdom perspective? I want to submit that there is a healthy way to think about finances. And I'm going to share three Kingdom principles. I'm aware there's so many people here today at different stages and tuning in online. There's students, there's people that are retired. This could be a whole series in and of itself, and I'm sure we'll delve into it at some point. But I want to share three kingdom principles for how we think and operate in the area of finances. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus teaching the most famous sermon ever taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to unpack three kingdom principles about finances. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 to 4, to start with. Jesus says this, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The first reflection I have based on the teaching of Jesus is that generosity is central to kingdom finances. Now this is Jesus' seminal teaching on life in God's kingdom. And he includes three core practices that Jesus thinks should mark the life of any follower of Jesus. Prayer. Fasting and generosity. For followers of Jesus, generosity with our resources is kind of non-negotiable. It is part of the Jesus life. Jesus built it into the fabric of his followers that generosity should be at the core of what we do. And Jesus begins to unpack what this generosity looks like. It should be a generosity, firstly, he says, that is unannounced, that's hidden that's not done for show, but rather to serve, meaning it's a heart issue more than anything. Generosity is a hidden place issue. 
It's a before God issue. It's a before the audience of one issue. We don't need to worry about what other people are doing or how much other people are giving. This is between me and God. But notice this too. Generosity carries rewards. Now, Jesus is not saying that God is a slot machine. He's not saying that if you buy a bag of food and give it to the food bank, you'll get a check through the post, although that might happen. But he's not saying that it will happen. What he's saying is that we have a heavenly Father who loves to bless and reward his kids. And God's rewards are somehow, in the economy of the kingdom, attracted to generosity. Has anyone experienced that? It's the way the kingdom of God works, that when we give, when we're generous, we step into God's economy. Generosity seems to be the key to the door of God's financial system. It's, it's his resources. When we're generous, when we open up our hands, we create room to be filled. I've experienced this, that, that when we're generous, when we set our minds and our hearts and our lives in a place of generosity, we step into the flow of heaven's re- rewards and resources in a way that is undeniable and unexplainable. My wife and I are passionate about generosity. I, I've never been that good in money, with money. Um, I, I, uh, I had a, a thing called an overdraft at university, and it was always maxed out. I, lo- I was so thankful for my overdraft. I, uh, I flirted uh, for a little while with scratch cards because I bought one once and I won a tenner. And I thought, this is easy money. Turns out it's not easy money. It's a very bad idea. My wife, however, is very different to me. She's always been incredibly sensible. Uh, she's an accountant, and so she has really, really helped me. But one of the things that has really been a core value of ours from before we were, we were married is like God comes first in our lives. God comes first in our, in our relationship. God comes first in our finances. And what we have seen over the story of our life and our marriage is that God has always taken care of us more than we could ever imagine. When you build generosity into your life, you kind of, you just allow, you're saying, God, everything I have is yours, open hands, and you watch how he surprises you with kindness. I remember a couple of stories, um, I don't know if this is now or later, but yeah, I'll tell it now. Um, a couple of stories. I remember um, I used to serve at the table uh, every single week when I just started working for the church, and I got to know a guy there who was really struggling. And uh, we became kind of friends, and I remember w- going into town one day, and um, I bumped into him. I said, what are you up to? He said, I'm just going to a job interview. And I said, oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. He said, oh, the thing is, I- I'm not dressed for the part. I don't, don't know what to wear. I don't have any shoes. And I felt the Holy Spirit in that moment said, we need to take him to Clark's and buy him some shoes. The reality was I really didn't have that much money. In fact, I was probably still in my overdraft spending a lot of it on takeaways. And, um, but I felt the Holy Spirit. So I took him to Clark's. I, I believe, I'm, I'm told this story once or twice before, it was kind of my last 50 pounds. And um, I remember taking him to Clark's, and I had a real wrestle. God, do I step into this moment, or do I not? And I decided to go ahead with it, and I bought him a pair of shoes. And um, I, I, I'd given away my last bit of money, and I, uh, I was a bit anxious about that. Um, but I knew that I was doing what was right. Um, later that day, I um, came home, and uh, I was hanging out with some friends, chatting to John. I told him the story. And all of a sudden... Um, John comes to me and he says, listen, I've, I've, just, um, I've just been on the phone to my dad, and um, 
he just wants to give you some money. He paid back everything that I'd spent on those shoes in that moment. And it was one of those, one of those incidents where I just was like, how does this work? Like, isn't God kind? When you just give the little of what you have in a moment of, uh, I think I'm trying to be obedient, God is so gracious and kind to do that. I've got countless stories of that. One time our, our oven broke, um, and we were around a friend's house, and we shared about it, and uh, by the next morning, they bought us a brand new oven and had it delivered to our house. And, and I just love how God uses people for radical generosity. Um, so, so being a, a Christian is intrinsically tied to a life of generosity. And I would say that in a culture and a world of self, generosity is a countercultural posture which changes people around us. Second reflection on making room in our life, in our money, is this. We need to be stewards, not slaves. We need to be stewards, not slaves. Let's continue reading Matthew 6. It says this, verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice that again, Jesus links our finances with our heart. It's a heart issue. Let's jump to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Originally, the word is mammon. According to Jesus, it is impossible to give our hearts to two masters at the same time. It's impossible to make room for two gods in our life. Jesus says you can't submit to the lordship of God and mammon. Now, mammon was the demonic god behind money, the power, the principality, drawing people to submit to the love of money. Do you know mammon was the only demon that Jesus named? Jesus is saying in this passage that either God comes first or we get ruled dominated, mastered by something else. Jesus says we cannot serve two masters. And when Jesus tells us that, he's basically saying that both God and mammon require time, attention, energy, and money. Mammon wants to be our master in the same way that God does. And Jesus says, I want you to love God and hate mammon. Now, this isn't to say hate money. It's not to say get rid of all of it. It's not to say that money is bad, but it is to say that money is a terrible master. And just like Jesus said to the rich young man, if money is your God, then it is better to get rid of all of it than to worship it, which is the whole purpose of generosity. Rick Warren, pastor in the States, he once said that God created generosity to root selfishness out of the human heart. And that's why we give. So when we worship God over mammon, let me tell you a few things that we are saying when we do this. We are saying that the resources of the world are here for kingdom purposes and not just our own. It is saying that we trust God to take care of our needs rather than our bank account. It is to say that we find peace in God 
rather than in having lots of money. It is to say that security comes from our Savior, not our savings. It's to say that hope comes from Jesus, not our homes. It is to say that God will supply all of our needs according to Christ Jesus, not money will supply all of our needs. It is to say that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble, not money is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Mammon always over-promises and under-delivers. Mammon is about storing up treasures on earth for ourselves, which are temporary, which, which just fade away. When we're called actually to get things the right way around and give everything to God, knowing that it, it is all his. And we discover when we do that, our, that our heavenly father will take better care of us than we can take care of ourselves. And what happens is as we do this, as we begin to worship God and, and serve him, as sons and daughters, God entrusts us with, stu- with resources to steward. We are stewards, not slaves. We are stewards of God's resources, not slaves of mammon. We recognize as stewards that it all belongs to God. Everything I have, all my money, all my possessions, it is a gift. It is on loan. Let me give you some characteristics of stewards Stewards, the Bible teaches us, are marked by multiplication. Stewards make wise decisions. Stewards make careful investments. Stewards are extravagantly generous. Stewards purchase excellently. Stewards save diligently. Stewards, stewards consider legacy. The Bible says a righteous person leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Stewards don't fear the seed or bury the seed or avoid the seed, but multiply the seed. And this leads us on to our final point in reflection on finances is that we are called to seek first the kingdom. Let's keep reading through Matthew 6. It says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, add, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall, we, what, what, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. It's a deeply challenging passage, I think, Contextually, it works for us right now in our cultural moment. Jesus says, don't be anxious about your lives. He's saying that if we understood our Father in heaven, if we understood the economy of the kingdom, if we understood the resources available, we would not be anxious. Someone once said, worrying is imagining a future without God. I heard someone else say this, that what praise and worship is to God Worry is to mammon. It is a pledge of trust. When we worry, and I'm not, there's no shame on worrying, we all worry. But when we worry, there's something deep down in us which says, God, I'm not sure I trust you to take care of me in this moment. I'm not sure I trust you, God, that you're going to fulfill your promises or your purposes in me. I'm not really sure, God, you are the source of my hope and peace and strength and fulfillment and security and joy. And subtly, we're looking to another master. You can't serve God 
and money. So what do we do? Well, Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom. In other words, let your entire lives be about building God's house and building God's kingdom. Let your time and attention, let your resources and your creativity, let your relationships and your finances be directed towards the purpose of his kingdom, his empire, his fame, his renown, and his glory. And what we're doing when we seek first the kingdom is we're resisting ourselves. We're resisting mammon, we're resisting our culture, and we are resting in our heavenly Father. We're opening up our hearts and our hands, and we're making room for all that God might do. And it comes with a promise. The promise is this. All these things that carry the capacity to disable you with worry, houses, clothes, provision, finances, your entire life, God says, I know that you need them, and I will take care of you. I will look after them. God will provide. Now, it might not be exactly as we imagine or exactly as we want. It doesn't mean we're all going to be millionaires. It might not be in our perfect timing either. I've learned in my life that God is more interested about what's going on in our heart than what goes into our hands. And here is what I've learned, that God can take way better care of me than I can of myself. He's so good. He's such a good Father, and he invites every single one of us to go on a journey of generosity. Now, there's no starting point here. If this is new to you, and you've never really thought about investing your life in something bigger than yourself, and you've just been thinking, you know, you read the teaching of Jesus, and you think, to be honest, I have been just storing up treasures on earth and trying to build bigger barns. And my invitation is like, come to Jesus. And begin the journey of generosity, of kingdom finances. So let me ask you a few questions that I've been asking of myself. God, this, ask yourself this. God, is there any area of my life and my heart where I am refusing to make room for you? Or this one. Is there anything I'm holding back on? Is there anything I just refuse to give over? And what does it look like for me to increase in my generosity, increase in my stewardship, increase in putting God first? Here's a challenging one. Am I being mastered by anything that is not Jesus Christ? God wants to invite us to a life of freedom and a life of health. Let me share a vision for kingdom finances. We want to be a people for whom money and possessions are not an idol, a God, or a source of anxiety, but rather they are a tool for us to steward faithfully, multiply wisely, give extravagantly, and enjoy with gratitude. We want to be a people who are debt-free and have enough resources to fulfill our God-given purpose and leftovers to enable other people to fulfill theirs. We seek first the kingdom of God and see ourselves as stewards in his kingdom. Everything we have belongs to him because he's a good father who loves his kids. With all good things, they can easily become God things. So we swim relentlessly against the tide of our culture, which says, store up treasures on earth, hoard, get rich quick, retire young and do nothing, keep for yourself, think of yourself, bless yourself. But instead, we live with open hands. 
We steward and multiply with creativity and entrepreneurship the seed God has given us, however small a seed. We refuse to bury the seed out of fear of the seed, out of fear of failure or fear of risk, but we're stewards of the resources God has given us to bring multiplication to, and that includes money. Our identity, security, or self-worth isn't tied to what we have or what we don't have. We may go through seasons of lack and seasons of plenty, but in every season, our commitment is to honor God with what we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. So what does it look like for us to have God's vision for our finances and make room with our money? I want to give a practical invitation now. Now, last week, as John has been unpacking our series on finances and uh, well, no, our series on making room and moving to three services, last week, John asked this question. He said this, do we have all we need to make it happen? Now, the reality is that, yes, we do have all we need, but we have vision for so much more. And we all know, don't we, that, don't we, that stepping into more, stepping into what God has for us always carries a cost. It always carries a cost of time and energy, responsibility, leaders, and of course, finances. John invited everyone that would like to, to uh, join a Sunday team. And I want to put a shout out to that. If you are not serving in this house and you consider church home, this whole vineyard, I would encourage you to, to get involved in living for something beyond yourself and serving here on a Sunday. One service, one Sunday, once a month. But we know that stepping into the more carries a cost. And our vision as a church is to build a home for God and a place where people can discover home. And really, in order for us to go to the next level as a church, there are a whole load of things that we would love to invest in in this next season. Let me share a few of these things with you. We would love to grow our staff team. Uh, we would love to get some extra staff relating to the area of kids and youth. If you've been with us over the last few weeks or even just here on a Sunday, you'll know that our kids and youth ministries are exploding. They're bursting at the seams. And we would love to intentionally invest in team in order to continue stewarding that growth. We're also hoping to grow our staff team to include uh, Sunday's teams and operations oversight. Uh, and we, we need some resources in order to do that. Secondly, we are looking and hoping to do some home renovations on this space, the auditorium here. Uh, when we move to three services, we would love to renovate this area and take it up a whole new level with different staging and lights and audio, visual, investing in it in order to create an environment where more people can come and experience the power and the presence of God and to do it with a greater level of excellence and creativity. We want to invest in new cameras in order to increase our online reach. We have people tuning in from all over, and we sense that that is only going to grow. There will be, at some point, a couple of people stood at the back on tables with tripods with big cameras. Doesn't that sound awesome? Maybe just to me, but it's going to be great. 
We want to invest in more kids' checking points to increase the efficiency of our welcome and make sure that when families come, we can, we can serve them in the best possible way. We want to invest in our cafe and step up our cafe space to a whole new level. We need some cafe renovations. We need to put some new connection points and stunning cafe stations and a beautiful guest space for newcomers and more over there. Signage. How many of you know we need some better signage on the end of Vulcan Street? We need to invest in signage. We're in talks at the minute with amazing companies to put huge, big, lit-up signs on the top of Vulcan Street so anyone coming past knows this is the way to church. Bonfire Night showed us, again, that we are off the beaten track and we need to intentionally step up our signage game. Uh, seventhly, we would love a minibus. We- <laughs> We bus people in every single Sunday night and every single Thursday for Alpha. And we, we rent a minibus. We would love to invest in our own. I'd love a double-decker. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> go around the city to pick people up. Uh, we want to invest in a, I don't know how it would work with, the, with those cars, but a marquee to increase our capacity for cafe that's heated. Uh, that would enable, enable us to do a whole lot more too. Uh, and we want to invest in our worship as well. And, Step up everything in terms of worship. So there is so much we have vision for, and we've gone on a journey over the last few weeks, haven't we? Haven't we? And there may be a whole bunch of you here in the room or here online who want to partner with us to make all this a reality. And so to that end, what we have done is we, we've opened a making room gift fund, And this is for really anyone that wants to contribute. Maybe you're here today and you have room in your finances already and you would like to give to making room. This is an opportunity for that. We are creating a moment for anyone in the church that wants to give over and above. And then maybe as I've been sharing today or, or John has shared over the last few weeks, a whole bunch of you that do have room in your finances and you feel like you would like to give, to sow into the into the vision to make room for more. And so if you would like to, if God is inviting you to, why don't you pray and consider giving towards making room. And here's a couple of ways that you can do that. We have some pledge cards. At the back, they look like this. There's a station at the back uh, on your right-hand side, on my left-hand side. And you can give on card or you can give on Apple Pay. We now have a new glowing thing that you can scan in. It's unbelievable if you would like to. Um, Now, maybe you're new to our church and you've yet to start this journey of generosity. I'd encourage you to explore what it looks like to put God first in the area of finances. We, We see it as a discipleship issue to grow in the grace of giving, as the Bible says. And and we encourage those that call this whole vineyard home to give financially, um, to give their first fruit, to give their best, their first and best. That's what Hannah and I have been doing for many years, and um, we think it's really, really important. Um, So you can give just a one-off gift at the back, just filling these. You can give by a, a pledge, But we really kind of want to get ready for February. So you can give over the next three months if you would like to. Um, This is really for anyone that just wants to partner with us. So if that is you, then we'd love to invite you to consider and pray about that. And there is some more details at the back. That is a practical way. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect.
and stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.